So Genesis chapter 26, two weeks ago, um, I was wondering why while I was studying, like, why does it feel like I haven't taught this for like a month? It's been two weeks because I, I, was, I wasn't here and Oliver stepped in last week. I was in uh, Orrington and uh, um, sharing up there. Um, so uh, it's nice to be back here on Wednesday night and uh, we'll get into Genesis 26 now. So in 26, there's, there aren't a lot of scriptures um, related to Isaac's life. You know, this is the only chapter that's almost completely solely focused on, on him. The last two verses um, switch to Esau. Uh, but uh, the uh, most of what we're reading here is regarding what happened in Isaac's life in this account. Uh, we pick up, uh, this is immediately after 25, where Jacob and Esau just made a trade uh, for a bowl of stew for a birthright. And um, that's where we're picking up. So it's been a couple weeks. So as we get into verse 1, I just wanted to set the stage. Verse 1, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech king of the Philistines in Gerar. And so uh, this is the first famine that's being uh, brought up here. If you were to turn your Bible uh, back to Genesis 12, uh, you will read of Abraham going to Egypt. And because of a famine, Abraham went down there and uh, he was afraid that uh, the Egyptians would kill him for Sarah. This is all going to sound familiar because we've studied it together. And uh, ends up uh, convincing everyone else, and uh, uh, that Sarah is solely uh, his sister. That's we know that that's half true, but it's a half truth also. She is his wife, and uh, where he's trying to portray her only as his sister is a lie, and it's deceitful. And uh, she goes along with it. Everybody goes, and they kind of buy off on it, and. Uh, Abraham ends up receiving many gifts. The Lord plagued Pharaoh uh, in uh, in uh, his house because of Sarah and what was happening. And uh, Pharaoh rebukes Abraham uh, when they find out. And uh, because Pharaoh was plagued, and uh, so Pharaoh goes to Abraham and uh, he asks him to leave. And he gives him gifts, gives him servants and says, you got to go. And they send him away. So when it says the first famine, with Abraham, then uh, you can uh, just understand that. Now, there was another time uh, where uh, in Genesis 20, when Abraham uh, meets the uh, Abimelech is a title. Uh, <clears throat> he meets uh, Abimelech and uh, it could be a name, but Abimelech Jr., we'll say, um, is, is the one that we're going to study here. But the first one that we're uh, introduced to is in Genesis 20. And Abraham meets Abimelech in Gerar, the same uh, city. Uh, and Abraham does the same thing uh, with the first Abimelech that he did with the Pharaoh. And uh, ends up, uh, it ends up getting revealed. And uh, he, he uh, you know, is rebuked by them. And we'll get into that here as we continue. But when it's speaking of the first one. So uh, first one, that's what verse one means. And uh, looking at, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of uh, the Philistines in Gerar. Verse two says, then uh, the king appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, live in the land of which I shall tell you. 
dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you for you and your descendants. I will give all these lands, and I will perform the oaths which I swore to Abraham your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So the Lord, as he, as Isaac went down to Gerar, the Lord appears to him and tells him not to go down to Egypt. And he says, go to where I tell you to. And, and he, the Lord tells him specifically, dwell in this land, I will be with you, and, I, and bless you. That's the summary of what the Lord is saying. So God's reaffirming the covenant that he made with Abraham to Isaac, his son. Then uh, there's uh, you know, nothing more comforting and assuring than uh, for God to personally speak uh, to us, speak to our hearts. Uh, where, where we're praying, Lord, I need guidance. I'm, I'm facing this situation and the Lord speaks to our hearts. When we hear that, the, the peace that we get. Uh, from the Lord speaking to us, and the Lord is uh, appeared to him, and is, is speaking to him right here, and and uh, the Lord does speak to us through His Word. You know, if we're praying for guidance, uh, I encourage you to grab your Bible and start reading. He is going to lead us. It's not one of those. Um, how many times have you have you heard it said that somebody's like. You know, and what I've seen is it's mostly people that are kind of flirting with the idea of coming to God, but they're like, I was praying about this thing, and I grabbed my Bible, and I just, and I put my finger down, and I and, and the, this this scripture spoke to me. Not that the Lord couldn't use that, but uh, we should be uh, in the Word regular, regularly anyways, and as we're in the Word, the Lord's going to speak to us. We, we don't have to try to time it all out. The Lord's got perfect timing. He's going to speak to us the way He wants to and where He wants to. We've seen his timing. We've seen it here. Guys, when we study John chapter 10 in the morning and then Psalm 23 about the good shepherd, you know, those two things, that's the Lord's timing. We talked about that on Sunday night. It was, hey, we're talking about the good shepherd. Then boom, the Lord is my shepherd. We and and uh, you know, we were brought there by the Lord in his timing. That's where we we were. And uh, those two things came together. Something, something as small, we may look at that as small, but those are those are confirmations from the Lord to me. To me, I look at those as confirmations. I don't believe that that the Lord is just things are just accidentally happening around me as we're seeking Him. Right? The, the Word teaches us differently, so uh, we can hear from Him from His Word. So the Lord is is promising Him that He's going to be with Him and bless Him. Now, if you think of a child that might be scared or or, or might be confused, I know for my children when they're scared, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here with you. Nothing's going to happen. Whether it was a bad dream or whether they're scared about something, hey, mom and dad are here. You know, we're going to take it's there's a a, a uh, there's a protection being offered. When the Lord says, "I will be with you," that means the Lord is with you. You don't have to worry about uh, attacks. You don't because we're going to see that he falls into his father's footsteps and uh, follows his father's footsteps. And spoiler alert, and does the same thing his dad did twice in Egypt and uh, in the land of the Philistines. Uh, so this, as the Lord is saying this, he's promising 
to uh, to be with him and that the Lord's going to provide and protect him. And, uh, you know, this is uh, for more than than just Isaac to see, uh, but also for us. He, the Lord said, I will give it to you and your descendants. And he says it will be given that they will be given the land. I will perform the oath that I swore to your father, Abraham. And he speaks of the descendants as the stars of heaven. <clears throat> and uh, he says, I'll give you all these lands. And he goes to say, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That's an incredible blessing from the Lord. That's what he promised Abraham, his father. He's reiterating uh, the promises that he made to his dad. And he's reassuring Isaac in this situation. They're facing a famine. It's a stressful time. Famine means there's most likely uh, a famine is coming from no water. So it means there's no crops. So everybody's panicking, trying to find water and food. And as uh, he doesn't know where to go, the Lord leads him exactly where to go. The Lord says that he's going to do all these things because Abraham obeyed God. You know, the blessings of obedience will always outweigh the perceived benefits of, of disobedience. Always. They will always, as we obey God, uh, we are always going to be more blessed in our obedience. It may not be immediate. It may not feel like that. It may not seem like that in our lives. But the end result of our obedience to the Lord, we're never going to go, I wish I never disobeyed God. You know, when we finally get to that, that reward for what he's calling us to do. We may regret certain things and we may, we may uh, fear, we may uh, experience things we don't want to. But as a result of our, our our obedience to him, but ultimately when we obey him, he's going to carry us. He's going to give us his peace. Excuse me, guys. Uh, it all comes out in the wash. You know, when, when we can look at scriptures like uh, to obey is better than the sacrifice. We've talked about it before that uh, that advice you might hear from somebody that are like, oh, just go ahead and do it. We'll ask for we'll ask for, you know, uh, forgiveness later. No, obeying is better than sacrifice. It's just better to obey up front. Then you don't have to worry about the, the, the forgiveness and what's coming next. Just obey the Lord. God's about keeping his promises. You know, He, he promised that to Abraham. He's promising this uh, to Isaac. And uh, he's in control and he can, he can keep those promises. He can make them and he can keep them. You know, we can rest assured in the Lord's word, in his plan, and, and we can trust in him. So that's what he's 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 reassuring Isaac. I'm with you. These promises that I made to your father are going to come to fruition. Uh, nothing has changed. Things are going to continue as as we move forward. Excuse me. Verse six. So Isaac uh, dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked about his wife, and he said, "She is my sister," for he was afraid to say she is my wife because he thought lest the men of the place kill me for Rebecca because she is beautiful to behold. So one thing we do know is that Abraham and Isaac's wives were beautiful. Even as they got older in age, they were, they were beautiful. So these, uh, you know, as they're facing these things, they're like, Hey, my wife's pretty. Everybody's going to kill me for her. You know, and, and, and what do they do? They just think up a lie and, and uh, think of deception and they go about things in their own strength and, and things unravel. You know, things they, they get found out every time it happens. 
Proverbs 29 verse 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. He's setting a snare for himself. You know, he thinks he's pulling the wool over everybody's eyes, and it ends up coming out, and uh, it ends up being a snare for him, and he has to answer to it. So Isaac had, uh, you know, no doubt heard the stories of the, the greatness and goodness uh, of God uh, to his father Abraham, and he had per- per- personally witnessed the provision of God uh, as uh, Abraham is taking Isaac to offer him. You know, he's he's bound, and uh, you know Abraham is ready uh, to sacrifice his son because he believed that God could even raise him from the dead. And uh, Abraham, when uh, Isaac asks, you know, we have everything for an offering. But we don't. Where, where's the lamb? And uh, Abraham says to Isaac, he says, uh, "You know, the Lord will provide for Himself a lamb." And as Abraham carries out his act of obedience, the Lord stops him, and the ram was stuck in, in the thicket, right? And then they—they—that's uh, the provision of the Lord. So he has seen great provision of the Lord. You know, he's heard, no doubt, Isaac, uh, Isaac's story of uh, of uh, sorry, uh, he's heard Abraham's. Uh, story of what happened, you know, in Egypt uh, and uh, in the land of the Philistines. Isaac was a uh, one that witnessed himself, God providing a wife for him and how the Lord miraculously worked through Abraham's servant when he sent him to his brother's land uh, to uh, to find a wife for him and everything that happened there. He has seen the Lord work and he has heard of God's uh, God's provision and his protection and he has learned and heard of his his uh, father's uh, failings and um, what we uh, when the Lord says I will be with you uh, he, at that point it should have triggered in his mind hey the Lord's with me I know that you know these men may be uh, you know eyeing up my wife but the Lord said he's with me and if he's he's with me, I can rest assured that he's going to protect me. and He's going to protect her. And he's spoken a good word to me. God's personally appeared to him and uh, giving him uh, very, simple, uh, very simple instructions. Go to where you're going to. I'm going to be with you. And uh, it's a, a tremendously personal message of hope, direction, encouragement that he had received. And yet, after he had experienced all these things, and he had heard of all these things, and he had seen these things happen in his life, he still feared and still deceived and lied uh, and still failed. This is, this is a, a record of, of Isaac being uh, Isaac lying and being deceptive. And you know, I don't know about you guys, but this can sound familiar. You know, we may have been in the same spots in our lives. We may have been at points where we should have trusted the Lord and we didn't. You know, whether we came up with some elaborate lie, whether we came up with something and we just didn't trust him, we didn't obey him, we didn't, uh, whatever it may be, that we we fail. There's a time in our lives, and, and there have been, and, and uh, uh, there will be times that we are going to fail in our lives. You know, we, we just, we have to realize that we are human. We have to work to, to seek the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, and and uh, to not let sin rule over us. But we are human beings. If we say that we don't sin, we're liars. 
You know, that's that's just what the word says. You know, we're we're liars. But you know, we shouldn't settle for that. You know, we've we've been at that point, I'm sure uh, all of us can say that we've uh you know, let let the Lord down or we've been ashamed of ourselves or whatever it may be. The encouragement that can come from this is don't ever give up. Don't ever say, well, that's it. That was the last thing. God's done with me now. I've rejected him forever. No, because if you're worried about that, the God, God's still working on you. The Holy Spirit's still ministering to you. He's still drawing. And don't ever give up. Now, as long as we're alive, you know, we can come to the Lord. You know, his grace can continue to work in us. You know, we can't we can't settle for that. You know, we can learn from it. You know, listen to his voice calling us away from that. <clears throat> but uh, we need to trust him. We need to follow him. He will restore. He will restore as we come to him. Verse 8. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw uh, there, uh, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obviously, she is your wife. So how can you, could you say she is my sister? Isaac said, because I, uh, because I said, lest I die on account of her. So uh, you, these guys were playing the role for a long time. They had everybody fooled for a while. They had, uh, you know, the, the wool pulled over everybody's eyes until this slip up. And now they've slipped up, and uh, Abimelech sees them. giving. Uh, he, he, he thinks he's in private, and uh, he looks through the window, and he sees Isaac showing endearment. Now, um, I was listening to um, Joe Foch uh, teach on this, and uh, the King James Version says sporting. And it was just it was just a hilarious word instead of showing endearment, sporting. You know, he's being very sporty with his wife. And uh, so if you have King James uh, version, you have a funnier version uh, uh, when it comes to this, because it's sporting. You know, it, it's it, I, uh, I got a kick out of that listening to it. But he's showing endearment to his wife. The gig's up uh, the, you know, the, the king sees it. Excuse me, and uh, Abimelech goes and uh, and addresses it. So uh, this means that Abimelech knew who Isaac was, and he knew the story that went along with him. So uh, he was he was known to Abimelech. We don't know how well known, but he wait a minute, that's a little bit weird, you know. Uh, you know, a brother and a sister should not be showing that type of affection. So he calls him up like that's that's your wife, that's your wife. What are you doing here? Uh, he saw it, and and he confronts and rebukes Isaac. You know, this is a a low point uh, for Isaac. You know, he should have been trusting God. You know, he had been living this life for a long time, and the Lord had promised to be with him. When the Lord had just promised him, "Go here, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bless you." And what does he do? Just like uh, we we can do sometimes. Right. And he goes there and he gets faced with, do I follow the Lord in my faith or do I follow my fear? And he goes right the left hand turn right into fear and panic. And what do I do? Ah, tell him you're my wife, my my sister. You know, he goes right down there. Excuse me. <clears throat> you know, he's he's human. He heard it work for his dad. So, uh, you know, he, he carried on the family tradition. He got caught. 
He got caught. Abimelech addresses him uh, for it and uh, rebukes him for it. And he admitted that it was out of fear. You know, and <clears throat> that's that's quite a thing to admit. I don't know if you guys have ever had to admit to something because you were afraid. That's quite a something something to actually own up to. <clears throat> I don't know if it's uh, just guys, but I, I I know that I can speak for guys. It's it's usually not a manly thing to do to say I was scared. You know, but you know ultimately uh, he owned up to it and he just said it. He got caught and uh, knew that he was in trouble. Just I'm going to own up to it and he does. So verse ten. And Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. So uh, what we see from the words of Abimelech is there was still a respect for their marriage uh, there that they wouldn't have wanted. Uh, he wouldn't have wanted someone to commit adultery. Uh, with uh, his wife, you know, they, they you know, their people would kill people for their wives and everything. So, but what we see here is that there was actually some sort of respect, even in a pagan land, uh, for their marriage and uh, the sanctity of marriage. So, but they uh, they didn't want to commit adultery. So he said, "You could have brought guilt on us. You could have made us guilty." And, uh, and, and so, you know, Abimelech charges everybody that if anybody touches him or his wife, then, uh, they're going to be put to death. So if you look at this decree that uh, Abimelech uh, makes here, God's actually protecting them again through this. God already promised protection. And now God is showing, uh, Isaac and he's telling everybody through Abimelech, don't touch them. Don't touch him. Don't touch them. And Isaac is being protected by the Lord through this king's decree. You know, God's sovereign and he's in control. We can trust him. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Psalm 105 verse 15 says, Do not touch my anointed ones and, and do my prophets no harm. You know, there's there are protections there from the Lord. Uh, there are uh, we we see in in Proverbs 21 that that the Lord uh, can control, and we saw it. You, you can you can look at uh, different accounts in the Scripture of kings' hearts uh, that that the Lord works in that king's heart uh, for His will, and uh, you know uh, such things as uh, the king of uh, the Pharaoh of, of Egypt, <clears throat> and uh, there are more that are escaping my mind right now. But we've seen it uh, throughout uh, the scriptures that the Lord orchestrates and the Lord uh, can make things work according to his will. And, uh, you know, you look at a psalm like 105, 15, do not touch my anointed ones, uh, do my prophets no harm. You know, the Lord is protect. He's already promised that he's going to be with them. He's going to bless them. You know, if I just think, guys, OK, so if we're walking down the road and we're walking through the valley of shadow of death. Okay, so whatever that might look like, okay, we're walking there, but God is holding our hand. What are we going to fear? <laughs> Seriously, right? What are we going to fear if we're literally like we're walking with Jesus Christ? And, and and we forget that, that when the Lord says he's with us, that we can walk with that same assurance that he's with us. You know, we have the Holy Spirit with us. He's leading. He's guiding us. 
We're going to walk differently. We're going to have a different approach to it if we realize that the Lord is with us. The Lord promised to be with him. And they made up a lie. They got caught. They got rebuked for it. The Lord ends up protecting them through the king's uh, command also. Verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. A hundredfold, I think we could consider a hundredfold beyond measure. Your first time uh, planting something, a hundredfold, that's a lot. That's an, a miraculous provision from the Lord. No doubt. That's I, I, I grew up uh, uh, working on uh, the family uh, blueberry farm. And I uh, used to go out and break blueberries. And with a blueberry field, a way to make them grow faster and have a better harvest is they burn one side of it and they, they reap the harvest on one on the other side. Then they swap. They burn one side. So even with that, there's the burning. And then the second year, uh, so you'll, you'll, you'll take the crop and then you'll burn it one year. And then two years later, after you've taken the crop, then you go and take the crop again. That's two years later. This is a hundredfold in one year. That's that's nothing short of miraculous of the Lord's provision. The Lord said, I will be with you and I will bless you. The Lord's blessing. The Lord said in verses 2 and 3 that he would bless them. He said, do not go down to Egypt. I live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you. I will bless you. It's the Lord's presence that makes the difference the lord's presence he said i will be with you i will bless you so i'm with you and i'm going to bless you that's the, what makes all the difference in the world is the lord's the lord's presence now this says that he began to prosper and continued to prosper until he became very prosperous there's a lot going on here god is just multiplying things and what we see is that he has flocks and herds and servants He's flourishing beyond what anybody would ever imagine. And as this is happening, he's got to be going, what is going on? A hundredfold? And he's, he's getting all these things. And just, just consider God's blessings. They're very distinct from the blessings of the world. In comparison, a hundredfold in a year. Proverbs 20, uh, 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one, one rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord may, I like that. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. How many can we say billionaires, they have billions of dollars and their lives are complete wrecks. There's a lot of sorrow in their life. All you got to do is watch, uh, actually one, there isn't there one right now in the news, billionaire Murdoch, Murdo, I don't remember his name. Uh, he's a billionaire. You know, and look at all the scandals, look at all the, the murders, the lies, the the deceit, the, 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 the stealing and all those things that happen. You know, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. There's no sorrow that comes with the blessings of the Lord. Proverbs 14:20 says the poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich man has many, guys, sorry, has many friends 
friends. Rich man has many friends, right? I remember uh, I, I watched a, an article. I watched an article. I watched a uh, a, a documentary on uh, professional athletes that um, as they uh, were were blessed with. Oh, thank you. As they, it's just going to be stuffy. I will not blow my nose in front of you, but thank thank you for the uh, you know if it, if it does run. I'm going to fight this cold off. It's been a few days, and now it's just pounding here. As soon as I started talking, I've been able to talk and sing fairly clearly, and here we are. Bear with me. I'm sorry. So uh, where was I? So documentary and how many of these rich athletes, they sign $80 million, $100 million contracts. Within years, they're broke. They're broke, and almost every single one of them, you hear them say stuff like, yeah, I had a lot of friends. I had a whole entourage, and I bought everybody Cadillac Escalades, and I paid for everybody's meal, and every and and then when the money's gone, all they have left is like their family members that weren't freeloading, because even some of their family loader uh, family uh, members were were just along for the ride. Yeah, rich some someone rich may have many friends, but this says the poor man is hated even by his own neighbor. But the rich has many friends. You know, the, the it can be a blessing from the Lord to even be poor because what friends we have, those ones that we have relationships with, are going to be completely blessed of the Lord. You know, we're not going to have those fake friends because there's nothing to take from. You know, less is often more when it comes to true friendship, unfortunately, right? Proverbs 13, 7. There is one who makes himself rich yet has nothing. And one who makes himself poor yet has great riches. The the the, uh, the blessings of the Lord, the economy of the Lord, right? Uh, the teaching of the Lord says the way up is down. If you want to be great, you got to become the greatest servant of all. You have to be the servant of all. You know, consider how the Lord brought everyone's attention to the poor woman's gift and said that she gave more than anybody else. You know, God's economy, everything God does is different. You know, the, these blessings that the Lord gave are different from the blessings of the world. The world would expect, oh, blessing means you're going to be rich. They might, you might be dirt poor, but a, a rich uh, spiritual life, a rich spiritual relationship with the Lord. That's where the true riches are, right? God outgives every time as we honor him and, and, and trust in him. So, you know, as Isaac learned from this and he goes about his business, the Lord shows him, you know, I told you I was going to be with you. I told you I was going to bless you. And uh, and he was blessed. And and we think of, of God's blessings. Uh, Malachi 3 verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive to receive it. Job 42.12 says, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. Remember, Job lost everything, and the Lord restored to him so much more than what he had lost, right? The Lord's blessings always going to outweigh the, the the earthly blessings that we can have. Now, we might be, as we discussed, we might have that 
that financially, you know, dirt poor or just middling, right? Most of us are in that middle class. Hey, we're, you know, we're not we're not buying Fiji islands and stuff like that, and we're, and we're also uh, not scraping the barrel necessarily. But we might be right in the middle there. But our what we should seek, the riches we should seek, are the blessings from the Lord. What the Lord gives is going to always be better than what the world has to offer. I mean, just look at uh, just everything that he's doing. God is multiplying it. God is blessing it. And it's become evident to all. And now it's it says at the end of the, the passage we just read uh, there that, that the Philistines are now envious. So the blessing of the Lord, and now we'll talk about envy. Now, the root of envy is a dissatisfied heart. So uh, these Philistines are watching, and they're no longer satisfied with what they had. He has more than us. He's not even from here. And they're envious. They want it. You know, a simple definition of envy is to want what belongs to someone else. You know, a resentful or dissatisfied longing for another's possessions, position, fortune, achievements, or success. Envy. That envy that can take over and they begin to hate. <clears throat> envy and jealousy can uh, often uh, be related interchangeably at times, but they're not quite synonymous. They don't, they're not exactly the same. Envy is a reaction to lacking something that another person possesses. Jealousy is a reaction to the fear or threat of losing something or often someone we possess. So they can be tied together, uh, but they're not exactly the same. So they get to a point where they want to, uh, they want what belongs to somebody else. They've grown envious. They've seen how much he's been blessed, and now they're envious. A few verses on envy. Proverbs 14.30 says, A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. Rottenness to the bones. You ever heard of bones being brittle? You know, some people have dealt with that with uh, certain conditions or anything like that. But if you think of a condition or or just a something rotten, it, it breaks easily, doesn't it? A rotten uh, a branch. You know, when I throw my dog, uh, you know, I can throw him a big branch and I throw it and it hits the ground, boom, and it shatters because it's rotten. It can't. You know, everything inside is is. Are rotten and there's no way for it to be strong. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy uh, is rottenness to the bones. Galatians 5, 16, uh, 26 says, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. If you would turn with me there. 1 Timothy 6. First Timothy six verses six through ten. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts 
which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's a heavy thing to read. That passage is very heavy. Godliness with contentment is great gain. America doesn't know that. Our cultures, you know, how easy we can lose a sight of that. Contentment. Contentment with what God has given us. You know, if we find ourselves whining about God's provision, we're not whining about our circumstances. We're complaining against God. That's what we're doing. We're complaining against God. We're telling God, what you provided isn't good enough. Really? You got your food. You got your shelter. You got everything. Let's okay. <clears throat> be careful. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. It says, we brought nothing into this world. We can, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and clothing with these things, you should be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in the destruction and perdition. That's where these guys are at. Their hearts are so filled with envy. And, and, and we'll study this more. We'll see where this goes. For the love of money. Now, how many times have, have you heard it said, money is the root of all evil? It's the love of money that's the problem. Money is necessary. We have to have currency. We've got to, you know, workman's worthy of his hire. They should be paid for that. Because when we get paid, we can pay our bills. We can buy food. We So money in and of itself is not. Money is a tool. That's how it should be looked at. It's the love of money that is a root of all kinds of evil is what it's saying here. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. First Peter 2, you can turn back uh, uh, there and I'll, I'm going to read a verse to you back to Genesis 26. First Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 says, Therefore, lying aside, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Lay aside all those things, if you've tasted that God is gracious. The grace of the Lord to provide for Isaac, oh my goodness, right? Just look how he provided for Isaac. He's saving his life. They're in a famine. He tells them exactly where to go. And he messes up. He sins. And he gets to a point where he's deceived everybody. He gets caught. And then the Lord still blesses him tremendously. If indeed you have tasted the Lord is gracious. Philippians 4 verses 10 through 13. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again that you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Now that I speak in regard uh, to need, I have learned that in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then in all things... All things. There's a contentment Paul is writing about to the uh, the Philippians. These men are sinful and they're envious. 
and they are uh, <laughs> we see that they they grow to hate Isaac. Now, Israel, if you look at Israel's state, they're still being envied by their enemies, still in that state by all those around them, you know, because of the blessings, because of the provision, the provisions of the Lord, uh, for their resources, what, the, what they've got there. Everybody is uh, around them. Their enemies want those resources. They want their land. And they want them because, they, you know, there's something to be had. They can, they can uh, gain financially from it. Verse 15. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug, dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. If you were to go to Genesis 21, you don't need to, but Abraham... Uh, rebuked Abimelech for his servants overtaking his well at Beersheba. And Abimelech said, hey, I didn't I didn't know that was happening. Uh, and they make a covenant together. They made uh, that happen. So there's a lot of similarities between that Abimelech and this Abimelech that if you uh, if you consider what was happening, uh, it's, it's probably going to sound familiar. Looking at verse 16, where Abimelech tells him to go away, you're much mightier than we. Further on in the scripture, when you get to Exodus, there, uh, there is a, a statement being made in Exodus chapter 1, verse uh, 9. It says, look, the people, the children of Israel are more, are, are more and mightier than we. Pharaoh was saying this. So as the rulers of the people of Israel saw God's blessings upon them, they grew afraid. And Abimelech tells Isaac at this point, they've got to go. And at God's blessing, he, his blessings are so evident to everybody that these guys are all getting scared. They're going to grow too mighty, right? And, and, and that's what ended up happening to them when we, when we move forward and we're in Exodus. And we see, wait, these guys are too big. We need, we need to oppress them a little bit more. We need to, we need to make sure that they're weak. We need to double uh, the work they, they've got to do and, and, and limit uh, everything. We've got to keep them busy, keep them tired. <clears throat> and Abimelech sees what's happening here and the Lord's blessing, and he says, these guys got to go. Verse 18, and Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug up in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up uh, after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. So he uh, dug the wells that his father did, and uh, those wells had brought great uh, physical sustenance, and uh, those old wells were, were productive. They, they provided uh, you know, water that they needed. They're in the desert. They're in dry land, and they needed good water. You know, you think of um, uh, from a spiritual sense, you know, those those places and times of great spiritual uh, provision in our lives. You know, it may have been uh, somebody that that ministered to us, and uh, they they spoke into our lives uh, words of of faith. You know, when you think of that old well where he used to get fed uh, spiritually. You know, where, where somebody would minister to us or, or the Lord would take us to. 
You know, these, these wells got, they got dug up and, um, uh, they, they had been filled after Abraham died and, and Isaac went and, you know, what we see in Isaac is that he's a well digger, you know, that's several times he's out there just digging up wells. There isn't a lot said about Isaac. You know, his name is mentioned a lot, but in his life, there's a lot said of him, uh, uh, digging, uh, wells. Jeremiah 6, 16, thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it that you will find rest for your souls. When we're talking about that spiritual place, that, that, that time that uh, we may have been so uh, sustained by that, that good water from the well that the Lord was providing for us. Maybe we've drifted away from that. Maybe we're not walking. Go to that old path. Go to that, that, that old path that it says here, go to the old path where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. That's where we find rest. Those wells that, that were so providing from this is uh, from a, a physical standpoint, they were doing that so that they could provide. They were told to leave. So they, when they got to these wells, they were like, hey, we'll dig them up so we can have water spiritually. You know, are, are there times, are there, are there uh, things that the Lord has done in our lives that maybe we need to reflect on, need to, need to go back to and say, ah, I remember when the Lord ministered. Ah, now I'm going through this. God ministered to me through that well in that time, and he took care of me in those times. David Guzik shared something uh, interesting regarding the spiritual resources. He said the spiritual resources that sustained previous generations are available for us today if we seek them with faith, work, and commitment. I like that. If we, if we seek the Lord and, and, and uh, his provision and the resources, they're available to us today just like they were back in the old day. And that old path, seek the old path, right? If we seek them with faith, work, we're ready to, to do work, and, and be committed to it in commitment. And digging up those wells. Verse 19. And also Isaac's servant dug in the valley, servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar uh, quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek. And uh, because the quarrel uh, so they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sipna. And he moved from there and dug another well, for and uh, they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name uh, Rehoboth, because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. So they dug up a couple of them. And one uh, is uh, named uh, Essek for uh, quarrel, and uh, the next one is enmity, Sitna. And uh, so they've they've done this, and as they're digging these up, uh, understand that water uh, it, it means life for them. It means they can build their communities around what's happening here. There's a spiritual application there. As we dig into the Word of God, it yields. Great rewards for us. This was a great reward that they had found in verse 19. They found running water in this well. And what happens? You know, the great envy and covetousness comes in, right? Oh, hey, you found, oh, that's ours. 
And they come and they want to take it over. And what does Isaac do? Take it. There isn't, he, he didn't mount up with everything and, and, and defend it. He, they just, they moved on and they, they dug another one. So after someone had done all the work, you know, these guys see the production that's happening. They get covetous. Uh, they get envious. And uh, they, they proclaim that it's theirs. So they do that twice. So they have uh, the well of uh, quarreling and the well of enmity. Then they find one that they were allowed, that, that they kept. And it's the name uh, uh, Rehoboth, uh, spaciousness, roominess, if you want to look at it that way. They continued pressing on in the face of opposition and oppression. They're being oppressed. They've been kicked out. Now they're being opposed by these guys. As, as soon as they find water, there comes opposition and oppression. And they continue. You know, they continue to trust God and, and, and move forward and, uh, and persevere. And, and uh, as they do, they find the place that God has for them. And God gives them space and God gives them provision and the water they have there and gives them peace. They don't have to fight for this one anymore. So as they preserved, uh, sorry, preserved, persevered, and they've pushed forward in, uh, in the face of everything they're facing, they get to that point. They finally find one and they name it spaciousness because there's nobody around. They've got their own spot. Now they can do what they need to do. God giving the peace. Verse 23. Then he went up from there to Beersheba. Uh, Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. Beersheba uh, might sound familiar. Look back to Genesis 21 and the Lord, uh, what we see, you can look back and read that. But the Lord here is appearing to Isaac again. And again, he has the same message. You know, he says, I am God. Do not fear. I'm with you. I will bless you. And he again says, for Abraham's sake. Now God reminded him, you know, we can be forgetful. Remember, he just got kicked out of the land where uh, he was being blessed, where God sent him. And uh, now he's being blessed too much, so they're all envious, and Abimelech comes and kicks him out. So no doubt uh, he's probably getting to a point of frustration. They found one spot. Oh, the, the water's too good here. This is ours. Oh, no, what? you know what? That's our water too. They finally get there, and they get settled, and uh, they, they find their water, and uh, now uh, they've, they've got space there. And the Lord appears to him. Says the same night, and, and and the Lord reminds him, "Hey, I already told you this. I'm just going to remind you again." And He says to him, "And and what is Isaac's response? Uh, resp uh, in interaction, acting with the Lord is worshiping Him, and that's what it should be. You know, as the Lord is providing and He's ministering, we should worship Him and thank Him." So Isaac is now setting up shop, and <clears throat> God's comfort and ministering. Uh, strengthens and rejuvenates him, and uh, now he's—they have their place. They can call this place spacious. Uh, Psalm one sixteen verse seven says, "Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully, bountifully with you." You know, the Lord just dealing bountifully for us is going to give us that rest as we trust in Him. He's going to lead us uh, to uh, what we need. Verse twenty six. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahazath, 
one of his friends and with uh, Phicol, the commander of his army. And uh, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? But they said, We have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, Let there be and uh, let there now be an oath between us between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since you have, uh, we have not touched you and, and since we have done nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. Uh, you are now blessed of the Lord. So Abimelech uh, went up to Gerar uh, to Beersheba, and uh, he's now uh, presenting a, a treaty, and uh, they were they were threatened. And uh, they get to the point where they want to talk to Isaac and uh, make an agreement with him. They'd already sent him away, uh, and he's he's now uh, at uh, the place that he's supposed to be. And and uh, they've they've found their spot. And uh, Abimelech comes out, and he's got three friends with him, uh, two friends with him, uh, Ahazath and and Phicol, the commander of his army. And uh, now they're all talking about. Uh, hey, we just want peace. And Isaac's like, why are, why are you coming to me? You just told me you hated me and kicked me out of there. And, uh, you know, they, they had their selfish reasons for, for coming out. And, uh, and he, calls, uh, he, he calls them out on that. <clears throat> and uh, there's a, as we see in him, there was a quietness that he had in his life. You know, he could have fought for uh, these uh, wells that were dug and and he could have uh, tried to stay where he was at he just kept going and finally he gets to a spot and once he gets there and gets settled now here comes the king and uh they're they're in a spot where uh if you if you were to consider a verse like in first corinthians uh, first thessalonians 4 and i'm just going to read verse 11 it says that you aspire to lead a quiet life to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. And verse 12 says that you may walk properly toward those who are on the outside and that you may lack nothing. That quietness, that just be about your own business. It seems like Isaac wanted that. He wasn't up for fighting. He just wanted, you know what? You guys are just pushing me. I'm going to go where I need to go. Once he gets there, they're trying to get water. They, the battles for water, whatever. Then they get to that one place and now they're settling in. If we live out our faith and simplicity and sincereness uh, of heart, God's going to bless our lives. God's going to take care of us. And, you know, these guys these guys came to him, and and he calls them out, says, no, you hated me. And uh, Abimelech says, hey, uh, you know, we, we just want to make a treaty with you. We see that the Lord's blessing with you, blessing you. We want to make sure you're not attacking us. We won't attack you. You won't attack us, right? Well, let's, let's make a deal. Verse 30 says, so he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath to one another. And Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. So it didn't end up uh, that well uh, for uh, it, at first. You know, they get kicked out of that space, and uh, they're, they're trying to get settled. And, and finally they get settled. They come out. They talk. They, they make a treaty. And... Uh, Abraham, excuse me, uh, Isaac does something uh, full of grace here. And, uh, you know, they uh, depart in peace because of Abraham, uh, Abraham, because of how Isaac responds. He he could have said, you know what? No, you guys, 
we're done with you guys. You know, we're stronger than you and everything. You guys need to watch your backs. You guys have done nothing but harass us and kick us out of here. We've had to move everybody. We get settled here. They take our water. We get settled there. They take our water. Now we're here and you see us getting settled and now you want to make a treaty. Right? Has that stuff ever happened in our lives? Oh, now that this is going, now you want to make up. Here's how the Christian should respond. This is how we're supposed to live. According to Romans 12, if you turn there with me, I know we're, we're pretty much out of time, so I'll, we'll finish up here, I promise you. But Romans 12, if you'd turn with me to verse 17 of Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In those times where we have been wronged, this is a proper way for us to respond. Don't, Guys, I, I get it. There are times where we say, hey, I'm going to forgive you, but our relationship is pretty much severed. You guys go over there. You do what you're going to do. We're not, you know, those, those, you know, this may not happen, but... What I like here is repay no one evil for evil. You know, you stole from me. Oh, you better watch it. I'm going to steal from you. I got every right to steal from you. You did this. I'm going to. I'm going to do that. You know, that tip for tad. I'm going to. You did this. I'm going to do that. No, no. That's the 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 Christian is called to be different. Have regard for the good things in sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That's what's being practiced here. Obviously, this is thousands of years later, but that's what's being practiced. You know, they come out and they just, hey, you know what? We want a treaty of peace. You know, and rather than sending them away, Isaac makes the agreement. Not only that, but he blesses them. He makes a feast and they ate and drank. Rose early in the morning, swore the oath to one another. Isaac sent them away and they departed in peace. We should re try to resolve things peacefully. Verse 32, and it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, we have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba even to this day. So Sheba, the meaning of that is well of the oath. Isaac was known as a man for digging, digging wells. And this one, he just says, well of the oath is what, what he names it. You know, God had blessed him where he was. Quite a quite a big lesson there in what we've studied. And real we'll we'll look at this very briefly. When Esau was forty years old, verse thirty four, he took as wives Judith, the daughter of Buri, the Hittite, and Basemath, Basemath, uh, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they were a grief of mind to Isaac. And Rebecca, <laughs> the in-laws, right? The daughters-in-law. They didn't. They didn't care for him much. They were a grief of mine. The scripture says, 
You know, he he went against Abraham's pattern not to marry uh, from the women of Canaan. And uh, Hebrews twelve sixteen says, "Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of bread sold his birthright." This was a man dominated by his flesh uh, and uh, to his own detriment. You know, he's and now he's now he's doing what Abraham wouldn't do, and he's taking a wife uh, from uh, wives from the Hittites. And what was the result? Family just being in disarray. You know, he's in the when the when Hebrews twelve sixteen calls him a fornicator and a profane person. Those aren't you know endearing words for somebody. That's that's pretty harsh. So we've uh, been able to look at God's provision. God guided Isaac, told him exactly where to go, what to do, and that he was going to be with him. And we saw. Uh, Isaac grow through this, and, and we you know, we see that he 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 did he failed um, and uh, repeated his father's failure. He he was rebuked and um, uh, you know took the rebuke, and uh, the Lord ends up blessing him, and uh, so much so that everybody gets envious. And then uh, as they get settled in their own spot, then there's the opportunity. You know, you can return evil for evil, or you can bless them. And uh, what does he do? He blesses them. <clears throat> you know, there, there's there's a lot to lot to glean from what we just studied. You know, we just uh, have to learn from that. You know, they they had every opportunity just to sever ties and and uh, hey, you know what? You go live over there. I'm going to live over here. No, you know what? Let's just pull it all out on the table. You know, let's uh, you know I, we're not going to return evil for evil. Let's have a feast. And when they departed, they departed in peace. They left on good terms. That'd be a lesson for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the lessons that are contained in what we what we just read. Thank you, Lord, that you uh, are ministering and that you are faithful and that you love us. And Lord, help us to know that when you say you're with us, Lord, that we can trust that. But that means that you are going to bless us. You're going to protect us. You're going to keep us. That while we're in your hand, there's nothing we need to fear. We ask, Lord, that you bless us in the rest of uh, this week as we face it and, uh, and keep us uh, in your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and peace to you guys.